Thank you, Father, for today. We give you all the glory and we give you all the praise. We love you. We worship you. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Lord, for this time in your presence as we dine with you. May our lives never be the same, forever never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to handle a very important subject today. It is not an area we have not delved into or touched. It's something that you are acquainted with. As a matter of fact, that is a grand focus or the major theme of the Bible and the New Testament for that matter. I'm talking about the subject of faith. But today, I want us to look at the reality of faith. I'm sure you have heard the phrase or the sentence, it was due to the lack of faith. When somebody is not healed, usually we say it's because he didn't have faith. And sometimes people take it very personal and they get offended because to them is an insult. How can I take my child travel from a far country to come see the man of God and my child is not healed and you tell me it's lack of faith. That trip in itself is enough faith or justification or the evidence of my faith. Ladies and gentlemen, though work can be a proof of faith work in itself is not faith always remember that faith is spiritual first the evidence may be in works the evidence may be seen but faith in itself is first of all a condition of the heart and a situation of the spirit amen because of the misunderstandings and misconceptions about the subject of faith and lack of proper teaching on the subject People think that faith is a notion of an idea and not the state of things as they actually exist. In other words, people don't know that faith is a reality. Better still, people are not able to fathom the substantiality, the actuality of faith. But my Bible tells me that faith is a substance. And what that is supposed to mean is when we say something is a substance, we are saying that it is a real physical matter of which that thing consists of. In other words, the thing has tangibility. Faith is real. It's a substance. The way you see, see this pillar, this pillar is a substance. A real physical matter. For many people, invisible means non-existent. That's the problem. So, once it's not visible, it's not tangible. It's not real. It's just an idea. It's just a notion. So people try to fake it. Oh, they say, I don't have faith. Okay, okay, now, nah, okay. Then you put a strong face. Then, okay, now nah, I have faith. Oh. But Bible tells us 
How faith comes. The logic of faith. The logic of faith. He says, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. And the things which are seen are not made of things which do appear. That's the reasoning of faith. Faith says that. I can just show that to you in a minute. The reasoning of faith is this. If the worlds were framed by the word of God, then the visible is a product of the invisible. Or the visible is a product of the spiritual. In other words, one version says, what is seen does not owe its existence to that which is visible. And I love that. What is seen doesn't owe its existence to the visible. I think that's the Wesley translation. Through faith we understand Hebrews 11.3. The very definition of faith says faith is a substance of things hoped for. It doesn't mean hope has no substance and faith gives substance to hope. No. That's not what it means. Hope itself is substance. You know how I know? The Bible says hope does not delude. It does not disappoint. Because it's real. You remember that scripture? We glory also in tribulation. Romans 5, 3. For tribulation work at patience and patience hope. And hope experience. Experience hope. And hope does not disappoint. That's the King James. Other translations. Hope does not delude. King James says hope does not make a shame. Other translations hope doesn't disappoint or does not delude. Hope cannot delude you. Because it's real. You know, many of us, because we don't read our Bibles, we put the definition of the world on spiritual words. Actually, belief, one of the divisions of belief is to strongly accept something without evidence. What a poor definition for belief. And all because people can believe something which is not true, but not faith. You can believe something which is not true, but you can have faith in something which is not true by the time you use the word faith you must be talking about the verity the tangibility the reality faith is the substance are we in hebrews 11 1 faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen by the very definition we are told that faith is real it's a substance and that is an evidence of the unseen. Faith is the evidence of the unseen. In fact, the Amplified Version says, Being the proof of the things we do not see and the conviction of their reality. Faith perceiving as real what is not revealed to the senses. Now, we know this. But you see, prophet, why? We are believers. We know faith is real. Why this teaching? Okay. When somebody doesn't have faith or if somebody doesn't have faith the person cannot be healed the reason is simple his healing whether is proposed or spoken or felt has no substance because the faith is the substance of the healing the healing doesn't have reality you may feel healed but it lacks substance it's just a matter of time you will feel sick again because if it's an issue of feeling it will change interestingly what we call substance are physical things physical matter because we believe they are tangible meanwhile those things you are calling tangible and therefore real after a while they cease to exist 
It will be as though they never existed. I said a thousand years from now, everything we see in this room, including the blocks, the ions, you won't see a piece of it. It will be as if it never existed. But spiritual things are eternal. If you put the spiritual thing here, it's there eternally. So spiritual things are more real than the physical. And faith is real. Because faith is the substance of all hopes, expectations, aspirations, desires. is a reality for the sake of emphasis. Let's read Hebrews 1 to 3. And I have a Bible here which has 26 translations. You see? You see, I told you, you are not serious. I want to know what God is saying. I didn't buy this to preach with. It's because I want to mind the word of God. And if I don't understand the word, it's gone. The Bible says when the word is preached and you don't understand it, you are like the seed by the roadside. When the word is not understood, finish. It's gone. You've lost it. So when you read it or they preach it and you don't understand it, it's gone. The devil steals it. So I want to know what God's word is saying. So I have a Bible that gives me 26 shades of every verse. So the thing can't hide. This one plus the Holy Ghost, I'll get it. Whatever it is that God is saying, I'll get it. Do I need faith to be healed? Yes. Because the reality of my healing is faith. The substance of my healing is faith. It's very simple. If I don't have the faith, there is no reality to my healing. It's just an assumption. It's just the notion of an idea. How did God create the world? By words. Is it his exclusive right? If it were, he wouldn't give us his word. I was conversing with my friend yesterday, and she was complaining about her marriage. And she said, I can't get it why sometimes God would allow me. First he said, is it because I'm not doing well enough, or I'm doing something wrong, that all these things are happening to me? Because she has a condition, she was sick, and then she had some marriage challenges. And I said, oh dear, don't even blame yourself. Don't add blame to the trouble. Don't add guilt to the trouble. You have enough trouble. Don't blame yourself in addition. Okay, so if I don't blame myself, you have to blame somebody. Maybe God. So I text back and say, don't blame yourself. You have enough trouble. Then she said, well, then I don't understand why God will want me just stay in this pain, all this work. I wanted to tell her that God didn't ask you to stay there. You decided to stay. You see, sometimes when you talk like that, people will understand. The husband will even think that I'm telling the wife to leave. There'll be trouble. Or she herself may think, okay, the prophet is saying that divorce is an option. So why will you sit down there and complain? So go. But there's something I wanted to say. You see, you choose your marriage and you choose to stay. So you don't blame nobody. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying leave your marriage. But I'm saying that you chose the marriage and you are staying inside. So there's nobody to come. You don't have to blame anybody. If you think it's not your marriage, why are you in it? And again, because I have time to explain what I'm saying, that's why I'm saying it. Because if you are on phone and I don't, or text and I don't have time to explain, I wouldn't say it because you will misunderstand it. That I'm saying that, leave. So I didn't say that to her. I just said, I said to her, it's not God who is causing this problem or allowing it god created the world by his word 
and he gave you his word. You can frame your world. And she didn't seem to get it. And she said, you have no idea what it means when in this condition, of course she's sick. In this condition, I still have to do everything. My husband just watches TV and sleeps. And uh, I'm here all by myself. Nobody to talk to me. He wouldn't even come to talk to me. And I'm here. You don't even get it. She was getting agitated now. And I said, well, I just gave you the secret. The worlds are framed. You frame your own world by the word of God. You will frame it by the word of God. Joshua said, this book of the Lord should not depart from your mouth. That's how you make your way prosperous and have good success. And someone says, the man who meditates in the word of God day and night will be like a tree planted by rivers of waters. And then I gave her a text scripture, which is Romans chapter 10, verse 6 to 8. Please, let's look at it. Romans 10, 6 to 8. Let's look at it. It's so beautiful if you understand the foundation for spiritual things. All the confusion will be over. We agree that the spiritual is more real than the physical. Am I right? We agree that a spiritual thing after a million years will still be there. A physical thing maybe after a thousand years you won't see a piece of it, right? Is it an established fact? Alright. You will see why God chose faith instead of works. Because works is not as real as faith. That's why God justified Abraham by faith, not by works. God did not justify Abraham by the works of the law. Because the works of the law is physical. But faith is spiritual. And so God preferred justifying or imputing righteousness to people by faith rather than by works. Because faith is more real than works. The spiritual is more real than the physical. Are you getting it? Or it's too simple? I'll take time to read all these scriptures for you so you get it. Is that scripture on the screen? Romans 10. Six, two, okay, let's read it. But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise. Say not in your heart, who will ascend to heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above. Uh-huh. Or who shall descend into the deep, that is to bring Christ again from the dead. Uh-huh. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee in thy mouth, in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. He's saying that there are two kinds of righteousness. There are two ways people are justified before God. There are two ways God justifies people. First, it was through the law. You keep the law and then you are justified. He that does them will live in them. Then another righteousness, apart from the law and the prophets, was revealed. Being witnessed by the law. God chose another way of ascribing righteousness to people without works. And he chose the second method, which is the method of faith. And here he is telling us that, verse 6. That righteousness, this is the way it behaves. It speaks. And he speaks on this wise. It reasons in this regard. Or this is the line of reasoning. Or this is how he sees things. Or this is the logic. But he speaketh in this wise. That don't say in your heart, who will ever go to heaven to bring this Christ down? Or who will go into abyss? That is to raise Christ from the dead. In other words, it looks like impossible. But this righteousness doesn't even look at the possibility and the reality of things in terms of physical reasoning. But he says the word is just near you. It's not in heaven for you to say who will go and bring it. It's not in the abyss. It's near you. In other words, possibility is just the word, the creative word in your mouth. Because word 
is the creator. When we say something is possible, it is because we think it can happen. Or the chances of its existence or reality is high. But the matter of existence or reality or the creator of all things is the word. So instead of thinking, hey, who will go and bring it? Hey, who can fix this marriage for me? Hey, this marriage problem. Instead of complaining, the word is near you. You can create it. You can frame it. If you don't understand the reality of faith, the confession of faith will be stupid to you. When we tell people to confess the word, to them, we have a real problem on the ground. You say we should confess the word. Because as far as they are concerned, the word is not real. The situation is real and the world is not real. But we just read that it's rather the opposite. The situation is transient. It is the word that creates the situation. And the word can reframe it. But remember, you can also have empty words. So we are not talking of empty words. We are talking about words that correspond with what your heart is saying. You are saying in your heart. People won't just accept it. And they they call themselves Christians. They don't believe that you become what you say. They don't understand that life and death is in the power of the tongue. They don't understand the reality of words and the potential of words. James says, while your mouth is going, that's where you are going. It's the rudder that controls your whole life. Is it your tongue? While your mouth is going, that's where you are going. If you want to know your direction in life, just check your confession. You don't need to go to no prophet for direction. Just check your tongue. You know where you are going, where you are headed for. So anybody would love to see good days and love life. He should refrain his tongue from speaking God. It sounds like a philosophy. It sounds philosophical. It doesn't make sense to people. Because as far as they are concerned, when people will do everything just to receive that asem keke, Somebody will go looking for an animal just to bring it so that his father will say Asem Keke. Because he knows that that word that his father is speaking <laughs> is as good as the final fulfillment. Esau knew that Abraham just spoke a word over Isaac and that was how the covenant and all his blessings and that Isaac had the power to transfer or confer or impart the blessing by words in john when we study the progression of the logos the word was everything it was life light everything until it became flesh the word is the original parent material from which the cosmos the stars everything you see yes i don't blame you you don't even know what a star is so you don't appreciate it one star just one small star is one million times bigger than this earth and science says we have as many of them as the sun by the seashore and they came from word and your small problem you say cannot be created by word because you don't understand the power of word yes prophet we have heard these things before we know it but is that all is that as simple as that i'm not saying say not in your heart who go to heaven and bring it or go to the abyss it's near this in your mouth I didn't make it simple. He made it simple. When you read 1 Corinthians 8 to 10, 
and Romans chapter 14 and chapter 15. You have one discourse, one long stretch of reasoning and teaching. It's about the brother with a weak conscience. The brother with a weak conscience. I took my time and thought on this. And you will find it among my, you know, in the faith series. I thought about moral consciousness and moral conviction. Your moral consciousness is your conscience. It just tells you good and evil. But remember that good and evil were on the same tree. The tree of death had good on it. So even if Adam had done good, he would still have died. That's why a lot of people are doing good and they will go to hell. If it's not a spirit, it's not life. It was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You can even do good and still feel guilty. And it is still a sin for you. I'm serious. You can do good and still be guilty. And it is still a sin for you. Because whatsoever is not of faith is sin. It's not as difficult as it sounds. When I explain it, you see that, oh, it's very simple. You see, two brothers. The brother with knowledge and the brother without knowledge. Christian brothers. They went to eat food offered to idols. One had guilt because of the knowledge of good and evil. He had a consciousness of eating a food offered to idol. And he became guilty. And his faith died. And he backslid. And the brother with knowledge who said, ah, there is only one God. All these idols are no gods. This stone is not a god. He takes the food. He says, you are just wasting your food. He takes the food, sanctified. He may sanctify or may not even sanctify it, And eat it. And go strong. And you too, who knows that the thing is an idol. You go and eat the food offered to idols and it kills you. So Paul took time and taught from 1 Corinthians 8. In fact, as touching food offered to idols. That's how he started the chapter. He went through one and brought Lord's Supper in and brought everything in in chapter 10. He was dealing with a brother with a weak conscience. And he said, we who have knowledge, who have strong conscience, there are certain things we shouldn't do for the sake of the brothers who have weak conscience. Because don't use food to kill somebody for which Christ died for. That's why I can never stand on stage here and say that it's not in the Bible that drink but don't booze. Because though there's no scripture in the Bible that actually says we should not drink, the day you start to say this or drink a little bit, the young brother in the Lord, Bible talks about drunkenness and gluttony. And actually the reasoning is when you eat too much, it's equal to drunkenness. They are all the same thing. It's we that have changed it. But for conscience sake, no believer should take alcohol. Maybe not your conscience, so, but the conscience of the young believer. Seven years before I got born again, I never tasted alcohol. Nine years, sorry, before I got born again, I decided I will never taste alcohol. So alcohol can never be my temptation. So I'm not trying to say something so that you think that oh, maybe Proverbs has been drinking the things more, more, more. <laughs> As a non-believer, I had enough self-control over alcohol. I didn't have that problem. But the point here is this. The brother with a weak conscience is a brother with little faith. And it is because he's a brother without knowledge. So his faith is not strong enough to carry him. 
Because faith is the substance. So he doesn't have substance to carry him. So, two people did the same thing. They all ate the same food. Same act. One is a sin, the other one is not a sin. Why? Because the sin is not necessarily the final product. In other words, the reality of the sin is first of all spiritual. I tried to teach this for a long time. And every time I find a new example to explain it. When the devil sinned, man of God, when the devil sinned in the beginning, it was not adultery. He didn't steal. People say it's pride. And I tell them it's not pride. Because our understanding of sin is you have to actually go and do something. That's why the guy who doesn't steal or smoke says, no, he hasn't sinned. And you are not able to explain. Because you are telling him that sin is actually in committing it. You see, when you are a non-believer, you have a demon in you called sin. A principal demon in you called sin. That's what the blood of Jesus takes away. That's why you are no longer called a sinner. Though you may do wrong things, you are no longer called a sinner. Because the demon, sin is a spirit. Sin is first of all a spirit before it manifests. One day, they say some people had eaten it and washed hands ceremonially. They didn't wash, they were not clean ceremonially and they ate. And Jesus said, what you eat doesn't defile you. Sin comes from the thought. He said, all adulteries proceed from there. So when the devil in his thought sinned, he didn't do anything physically. He did it. It was in there. But God saw what was in it. It was, he saw it in his spiritual state. And he saw adultery in it. He saw murder. He knew all these things. Just giving time, they will manifest. Just giving time, they will all come forth. Now, why am I saying this? I'm just using this in contrast with faith. Just as faith is a reality in the spirit, or just as sin is a reality in the spirit first, before we see the manifestation, faith is a reality, is a substance in the spirit first before its manifestation. And it's so real that that is what qualifies actions. There are two brothers who had the same food. One is a sinner, the other has not sin because they were qualified or sanctified by their faith. That's why Paul said everybody should be persuaded in his heart. Persuasion, and I'm talking of persuasion in absolute terms, is conviction. And conviction, always remember this, is based on truth or reality. Now, the thing about conviction, or let me use the word persuasion, is stability. When somebody is convinced... It means he's finally persuaded. Or it means he's finally stable. Which means he's not tossed to and fro. Listen to me very carefully. The word translated faith in the Bible, 90% of the time, both Old Testament and New Testament, the word actually means steadfastness or faithfulness or stability. So then, where there's faith, there's a solid ground. There's a firm foundation. It can carry anything. Tell you, your faith is real. In 2 Corinthians 3, Paul explains some serious truth. And he was talking about the essence of the law or the spirit of the word God gave 
as opposed to the letter. And then he also spoke about how it was administered or dispensed. Now, the law God gave to Moses, was it death? The real law was not death. But the letter of the law was death. The spirit of the law was to impart life. Paul said the law is spiritual, but I'm carnal. The Bible said what the law couldn't do in that was weak through the flesh. So we saw that the law itself, there was nothing wrong with it. The law is spiritual. But it is the flesh. In other words, it was the veil that rendered the law impotent. Or that veiled the life. So the letter killeth. When you take the spirit of the law, the raw law, just kill the guys. That's number one. Number two, the administration of the law or the ministration or the dispensing of the law also brought death. Because when Moses veiled himself as the minister, because he was supposed to minister or administer or dispense the law. When he failed it, what he ministered was death. So there are two ways death comes. Either from the essence, which means there was no life in it at all from the beginning. Or the ministration is devoid or divorced of life. A minister can repudiate life. Of the word of God. Every word you hear. Your faith. Is. Oh. What dispenses the life from the word. When you are a child of God. Or a man of God. The essence. The substance. Is as important. As the method. Of ministration. Or administration. Don't worry, you understand. The how is equally as important as the what. Sometimes, the how is more important. Many times, the how is more important than the what. What I'm trying to say is that the way we minister the spirit is very important. Ministration of the spirit doesn't stop when the preacher finishes preaching and closes his Bible and says, everybody close your eyes, raise your hand, receive. That's not when ministration of the spirit starts. Ministration of the Spirit starts when you start preaching the word, the New Testament. According to 2 Corinthians 3, the New Testament administration of the Spirit. You can minister the Spirit of the New Testament or even minister the letter of the New Testament. The New Testament is not supposed to have a letter, but it has, strangely. How? It's the way people minister. Somebody can minister death to you in the New Testament. He can tell you why you have to die. When there's no reason to die. Wednesday, I said something here. I said, when you take a loaf of bread and you force it down your throat, you can die. But that same bread, if you break it down little by little, you can finish all and leave. The same bread can kill you. Look, you know why you are dying slowly? You're either reading the wrong part of the Bible or you are administering the supernatural dosage wrongly this is a pharmacist sitting here he will tell you 
you go and abuse a drug especially an antibiotic or you die the next minute when you take a drug you see so many things you see indications contraindications you see dosage they show you how it should be administered and they show you the contraindications it's a pregnant woman shouldn't take this one some of you are pregnant but you are taking some things your baby will die you are taking some things busily taking some things inside you it will just about your vision somebody wants to talk say, Shh. I don't want to hear that now I understand Oedipo. you can never say before him there's no money it's like a taboo the only thing you can say is money is coming then you understand that you don't have money but you cannot say there's no money in fact Jesus told me before never say there's no money but because my faith is not there yet I've been saying it more small but I repent because you must consistently build your faith and not dilute it that's why in witness if somebody stand on the pulpit it is good news if it's a funeral they can announce it somewhere else but not on the pulpit that's the reason they will announce it somewhere else but the pulpit is not for that you mean i can be in a church and my mother will die and they won't announce it or in the name of faith you don't understand the man is helping you but as he need to come to the pulpit it could be handled at cell level or they can say somewhere else or in groups when a man of god stands let him minister life to you people think that spiritual things have no formula they are like magic. Hey, Baba, hey, one more. Hey, then the thing appear. Hey, then it vanish. Hey. So, when you explain line by line, precept by precept, they don't understand that these things have an order. You can't fake the faith, though. Okay, they say we should believe. Okay, okay, yeah. Now I believe. No, it doesn't work like that. There's a way to add to your faith. Faith comes by hearing you add word you believe it you step out in it a little bit then you keep building it you keep building it gradually you know people who jump from class one to university and never work in their faith because they think spiritual things don't respect any rule they don't understand when we say somebody's faith can carry this they don't understand but i just explained it to you one brother's faith can carry that food offered to idols another brother can handle it it will kill him these things are real they are not the notion of an idea so if there's no faith your healing is not real because faith is a substance your faith must be able to carry it you are not going to handle a one billion project until your faith gets there you just can't handle it place your hand on your heart My purpose is not to teach you how to get faith. 
My purpose is just to explain the reality of faith. So if you want faith, that's another subject. But faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And faith speaketh in this wise. You have to believe it and speak it. And you must take time to build your faith. Because the foundation. Hello? For this structure here would never be the same foundation for this structure here because it's a bigger structure. So you don't say, well, faith is faith. So every faith can carry every no, you can't say foundation is foundation. So you are building a two thousand seater and the foundation is as if you are building a four bedroom house. Two thousand seater with men, you know, trampling, you know, and jumping and running and all the vibrations. All dancing in the name of the Lord, jumping. Your three bedroom foundation may not be able to handle that one. So it is important that your faith must be big enough to carry whatever you want to carry. And it is real. Romans chapter 4, verse 17. 17b if you like 17 as it is written i've made the father of many nations before him whom he believed even god who quickened the dead and called those things which be not as though they were the last part which says god calls those things which be not as though they were i love what this translation says he speaks of future events with much certainty as though they were already past clap That is the reality of your life. I see you walk in faith. I see things happen for you. Tell somebody the convictions are real. You know, we're all looking for somebody to blame, right? When you have power in your mouth. Mas Morris said, the future is not ahead of you. It's in you. I know where I'm going. That's your confession. Yeah. <laughs> Woo. That's why your prophecy can't scare me. Master, as I was listening to a prophet, everybody, I want you to do. And I said, this is even pride. You yourself too much it you. Sometimes you see prophets going about telling everybody, you this, you this, you you have a witch in your family, you your mother is a witch. I'm like, the prophet, what about his mother? Who much it you? Who this? Who this? Who this? And like you too much it you kakra. What does the word say? The word says, and when he shall tend to the Lord, the veil is taken. <laughs> and the Lord is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is. The Bible says, blotting out handwriting of ordinances that were contrary to us. Taking out of the way. 
The Bible says it became a curse for us. The Bible says the lawful captive shall be delivered. You can't scare me with your prophecy or your dream. I know the truth. The truth sets me free. I know too much to be in bondage to a prophet's queen. At least I have a more sure word of prophecy. You got prophecy, but I got a more sure word of prophecy. And by that, I don't mean despise prophecy. But you see, the prophecies, they have their levels. Even the word of God, it comes in levels. How much more prophecy? We have the milk. You know, when Jacob was blessing Manasseh and Ephraim, and he put his right hand on Ephraim, and put his left hand on Manasseh, Joseph, knowing that Manasseh was the firstborn, actually, when they were going to Jacob, Jacob wanted the blessing for Manasseh, the birthright, the covenant blessing. So he pushed Manasseh to the right side, to the right hand of Jacob, and pushed Ephraim to the left hand of Jacob. And Jacob crossed his hands. Jacob couldn't see because he was old. He sensed that no, this is the right thing. He crossed his hands and put the right hand on Ephraim who was on his left and put the left hand on Manasseh and Joseph held his father's hand trying to remove it he said no Manasseh is the elder he said I know I know he too shall be great I know <laughs> and sometimes I hear prophecies and I say I know I know I know that one is also good but I know <laughs> I know it has its place he said, I know, he too shall be great, I know. It's not a competition as to who should be greater. It's purpose. Manasseh means God has made me to forget the pain of my father's house. That's the purpose. That's why he came first. If you're not healed of the pain of your father's house, you can't have the blessing, the double blessing, which is Ephraim, of fruitfulness. So Manasseh had to come first, not because he was the less. It was just purpose. You can't compare Apostle Paul to Peter. We do it. But the purpose is different. By the way, people tell us that Peter is first. By rank. But we feel Paul is better because of how much he did. But it's purpose. You can't compare Peter to John. Yes, in administration and for order, we can say this person comes, ranks first, and so and so. But the purpose may be different. Did you realize that Though Joseph had the double portion, the Messiah didn't come from Joseph's line. It was reserved for Judah. It's purpose. Don't get into a competition because you think you have to be bigger than somebody to be successful. Look at Levi. All oh, the priests came from that. It wasn't from the tribe of Joseph. The priest was reserved for Levi. And the Messianic line came from Judah every tribe had its peculiar purpose and blessing that's why I don't need to fall for you to rise there's enough for all of us that's why when somebody give you prophecy hey, hey, your younger sister forget about that trash he doesn't know what he's talking about is it only one in is it only one glory Oh, I see your younger sister. He has taken all your glory. 
that was the reason my brothers would have killed me because I'm the youngest but I'm in charge but they know that oh I mean everybody's okay everybody's doing well by the grace of God but it's okay no competition lift up your hands the Bible says love the Lord what I has not seen nor ear heard neither entered into the heart of a man the things God has prepared for those who love him but he has revealed them to us by his spirit for the spirit searched all things yeah the deep things of God for what thing in a man knows the things of a man save the spirit of a man so the things of God knoweth no man save the spirit of God but we have received not the spirit which is of the world by the spirit which is of God that we may know the things that are freely given to us from God which things we speak not in words which man's wisdom teacher but in words which the Holy Spirit teacher comparing the spiritual with the spiritual
Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus. We give you all the glory. Open your mouth and thank the Lord. Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We give you glory. We give you praise. We worship and we honor you. We give you all the glory in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Pastor Edward, you know how I feel? I'm hungry for more weight. Actually, I intended that tomorrow I will not preach, I will just minister the prophetic, but I'm just getting hungry for more weight. May God bless you. You want to insist on the ministration of life, the ministration of the spirit, the ministration of righteousness, not the ministration of death. You want to insist that you won't give yourself to the ministration of death and you won't minister death to yourself consistently. Anything that will feed your faith, that's what you listen to. You're going to insist that. Only life will come out of your mouth. you to speak to the Lord for a moment. Everybody speak. Come on, worship the Lord is beautiful. See, God is taking you to another level. God is taking you to another level. Mori andaramo 
Song that's by in the name of Jesus. All the power we need is in the name. And in his finished work, in the blood, in his spirit, in his word. You have been lifted. He said, I will set you high above all the nations of the earth. Disappoint. It's not yours that will disappoint. There is power in the name of Jesus. To break and retain, break and retain, break and retain. To break and retain, break and retain, break and retain. There is power.
every chain, break every chain, break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. Now tell your neighbor all you got is faith. The real deal is faith. Uh, all you got is faith. Faith is all you have. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So spend time to build faith. You know a lot of believers don't know what to do. Build your faith. Yes, I know we emphasize prayer. We emphasize winning souls. But build your faith. Yes. All these things can increase your faith. But take faith as a subject. Make it your focus. That's what I tell my protégés. You're going to learn demonology for what? To profit you, it will just confuse you more. To add any, there's nothing to know about the devil. All the minds are in Christ, in whom I hid all the treasures. The devil is a lie. There's nothing in him to learn. Or you want to go to the seven spiritual planes? I mean, my Bible doesn't tell me anything like that. Though. Hmm? Or you want to go and buy him Sat Gopinata? And some of you think because we are not binding Sat Gopinata here, we are not spiritual, we are not powerful. in him who is the head of all principality and power when God says you are more than a conqueror ah, somebody will come and tell you you are defeated hallelujah I see you on top I see you reign you will do well. No, that's prophecy. You will do well.
Lift up your hands. If you are here today, you are not born again. My question is, where will you spend eternity? When this world is no more, where will you be? Jesus says, you must be born again. And unless a man is born again, he cannot see, let alone enter. He said, verily, assuredly. That word means, I swear. It's an oath. Eternal life. It's not an idea. It's a reality. Eternal life. is not a state. It's a person. Jesus says I'm the resurrection and the life. You may be a nice guy. Maybe you are so liberal. You go to every church. You practice every religion. Well, I'm sorry to tell you that religion doesn't give eternal life. Jesus is the way, the truth. And he is the life. The Bible says, if you believe that Jesus rose from the dead and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. So what are you waiting for? Confess Jesus as your Lord now. Believing that God raised him from the dead. And be saved. May God bless you. May God bless you. May God bless you. Jesus name. Put your hands together and please be seated.